plastics. You know about them. You may not love them, but chances are you use them every single day. Enough plastic is thrown away each year to circle the globe four times. By 2050, researchers estimate that there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. And for so long, we felt like we didn't have a choice. We didn't have any alternatives. But that's not necessarily true. You can make plastic from soy. You can make plastic from grass. You can make plastic from corn. Back in May 2020, our friends in the science world brought us news that nature had evolved an enzyme that could chomp through the strong polymer chains in plastics like polyethylene terephthalate or PET, which is what plastic bottles are made of. It was a very exciting discovery. We all know there's too much plastic waste. While most of us try to do our part by recycling, the truth is, less than 10% of plastic is actually recycled. Most plastic piles up in landfills and waterways. Fish, turtles, and even small deep-sea creatures have been found with microplastics in their stomachs. Microplastic has even been found in human bloodstreams. In this episode, we talk with four people who are tackling the problem in different ways. We'll hear from scientists and even an artist about what they're doing to reduce plastic waste. I'm Teresa Brady, and you are listening to I Am Bio. Replacing fossil-based, non-biodegradable plastic with plant-based options is one part of the solution to the plastic problem. Danimer Scientific, a company based in Georgia, is making green bioplastics from canola. Scott Tooten, Danimer's chief marketing and sustainability officer, shared a personal story about why he is so committed to the work he's doing. You know, even in Southwest Georgia, as a pretty rural area. But even with that, we have some beautiful river streams and beautiful lakes, and you really cannot go a few yards without finding a bottle, a bag, a cap, just tremendous amount of trash. Ten years ago, uh, we're two hours from the Gulf, beautiful area, beautiful beaches, and I remember my son Jack. He was probably two years old, and he was sitting playing in the sand. We were all family out, and looked over. He's chewing on. We didn't know exactly what it was, and went over to him. There's an old bottle cap. The cap was probably 10 or 15 years old, deep down in the sand. So that was really a good validation to what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do. Danimer is working on a biopolymer material that looks and feels exactly like plastic, but it's marine biodegradable, meaning it dissolves in ocean water. Scott explains. PHA. In general, it is consumed by microbes, and that's how it degrades. So there are microbes all over the world, including in marine waters. So if you have an article that accidentally gets flushed out of the river systems into the oceans, that's how most of the plastics gets into our oceans, to our river systems. Then the microbes in the ocean will eventually consume the PHA package as a food source. So that's really what it is. When we ferment this bacteria, we extract the PHA from the bacteria because it is their food source. So when you make an article with it, 
and it goes into a ditch or your backyard or accidentally gets into the ocean, it goes away in a pretty quick time period. So it's not there in five and 10 and 20 years for that bird to, to eat or the turtle. So that's what the key is. So it's just not there anymore. While we're used to plastic straws, they can be deadly to birds and sea turtles. Danimer makes a bioplastic straw that's biodegradable and it's in stores today. Straws are not the best thing for the environment. I think we all realize that. Our PHA straw will help with that straw fight, meaning that if it does get flushed into that waterway and does go out to the ocean, it will go away within six months. So we prevent that straw from staying out there for five or 10 or 30 years from my kid putting it in his mouth or that bird trying to eat it as a food source. So we can help with that straw battle. Whether it's a drinking straw, water bottle, a candy wrapper, or any one of the many plastic products we use every day, Scott says bioplastics aren't just good for the environment, they're good business. So I think in general, people realize we have to do better. We cannot continue going down the path and what this earth and this world can withstand. Do we have 50 years or a thousand years? There's some point where we can't turn it back. When is that? Nobody knows. That's the question. We can do better. Even the big guys, the Pepsi and the Nestle's, they see it and they're doing wonderful things. There are solutions to this problem and they're taking the step to do it. And the consumers are too. They're demanding it. And when you demand it, uh, things change. Another company, Virant of Wisconsin, is developing a plant-based plastic made from sugarcane, sugar beets, and corn. I am Andrew Held. I'm the Vice President of Engineering and Business Operations here at Virant, and we are a wholly owned subsidiary of Marathon Petroleum Corporation. Virant is commercializing technology to make products, including plastic, from renewable resources such as biomass and crops. By using Virant's technology and converting renewable feedstocks into these final products, you end up with the same overall characteristics. Virant is actually well down the path of working with partners using our product materials as feedstock chemicals for renewable plastics of all kinds. These materials get used in fibers, films, in packaging materials like bottles, as well as can be used in things like engineering plastics. All these attributes then are the same in terms of what the marketplace has already worked on and developed to date. The same durability, the same performance in all kinds of critical applications. And what we're doing is we're making these then from renewable feedstocks. And in fact, then now these materials are made from renewable carbon created recently by nature. Andrew says the market is ripe for bioplastics. The overall product markets for bioplastics are very attractive. With our strategic partners, as well as looking at the marketplace more broadly, there's a lot of activity in this space. There's a lot of people pursuing a variety of options. For example, in Viren's case, we've done a lot of work with several key strategic partners, one of them being Coca-Cola. In 2011, we started a collaboration research project with them uh, where we turned our product into something that they could use and work with their own supply chain partners to then make a 100% renewable plastic bottle that they've demonstrated in more than one setting. 
That work with Coca-Cola continues. They continue to look for attractive options to try and commercialize and launch uh, brands using this type of technology and product. Virant's bioplastics are part of what many people call the circular economy, with less waste, more recycling, and more products designed to reverse climate change. As we look at the circular economy, clearly things like reduce, reuse, and recycle need to continue and even improve. As Virant, one of our main contributions then is increasing the renewable content that goes into these same strategies for an overall circular economy. Virant is acutely aware that the types of materials that go into the circular economy will have a substantial impact on its effectiveness. That's deliberately one of the things that parties check for and why they're interested in our renewable content. When they make their products and as they work hard with their own supply chain partners and others in terms of getting recycled content back to meet their own goals for sustainability and increasing recycled content, our renewable content fully integrates with those recycling chains. And bioplastics have an added advantage. One key advantage of these bioproduct materials is that they're made from renewable feedstocks. When we do that, we are able to decrease the carbon intensity or their overall greenhouse gas emissions for such materials. When we come back from a break, we'll hear from a researcher who's doing groundbreaking work on microbes that can eat plastic waste. And we'll talk with an artist about the creative way he's bringing attention to the plastic waste problem. As we head into the winter months, Bio is preparing for some great events in 2023. Visit bio.org slash events to find out more. And don't forget to check out bio.news. Bio.news is a daily news website exploring the intersection of biotech innovation and U.S. and international policy. Visit now by typing bio.news into your browser. Plastics were invented to last almost forever. My parents' generations want to have something that lasts long to save money. Over the several decades, the plastic waste accumulation is so huge that we should act now. If not, there would be no future for our next generations, including my own daughter. Today, we also talk with Dr. Tasek Moon, an associate professor of energy, environmental, and chemical engineering at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri. He is also founder and head of the scientific advisory board of Moonshot Bio. Dr. Moon's research is focused on using science to solve global problems. I have been working on the waste issue and its technological solution for more than a decade. My initial interest was in lignin, the waste from pulping processes 
and cellulogic fuel production processes. Several years ago, we shifted our focus to plastic issues because we saw our accumulated or established technology is relevant and applicable to solve plastic waste issues. Microbes are nature's garbage disposal, producing enzymes that break down organic material. In 2016, scientists in Japan discovered a naturally occurring microbe that's developed a taste for plastic. That's the good news. The bad news? It takes far too long to break it down. Dr. Moon explains that biotechnology could deliver a solution. In landfills, there are native bacteria which might degrade plastic waste. However, the entire process takes at least several months if you rely on just native bacteria. That bacteria happen to be there or most of the case, the plastic eating bacteria probably not there. We are developing microbes that potentially generate enzymes that are functional at normal temperature using our magic bacterium that generating enzyme and degrade those plastic into small molecule and then bacterium take up that nutrient and then grow and then degrade into value-added chemical, potentially, and at the same time, clean up our environment. To do so, we need to have enzyme that is working at just normal temperature, like room temperature. And that is actually one of the challenges we try to address at this moment. Dr. Moon is also taking aim at the economics of the proposition. As he explains, the process needs to yield high-value byproducts to be cost-effective. We should engineer bacteria that have ability to convert plastic into high-value chemical, but native bacteria cannot do so, so that requires engineering effort by adding some new gene into the bacteria, modifying some gene in bacteria, in that way sort of tailored bacteria that kind of specialize in converting plastic into high-value chemical. If these newly created microbes are so powerful they can break down plastic, is there a risk they might evolve into something we can't control? Dr. Moon says genetically engineered microbes are still in the research phase. They won't be used in landfills until they're approved by regulatory agencies and until researchers know they can turn off certain traits or engineer the microbes to self-destruct after their job is done. So that is one of the challenges when it comes to environmental application of engineered bacteria because we do not know what type of consequence will occur when 
those bacteria release into the environment. So currently, you know, my lab basically working on the project to understand what type of mutation scenario would occur when we potentially deploy bacteria into the real environment. But we're currently working on that experiment, not merely deploying the bacteria into the environment. We are currently engineering plastic eating bacteria equipped with so-called kill switch. Bacteria would clean up by eating microplastic in the environment. Once all nearby plastic particles are gone, the microbe could activate so-called kill switch to self-destruct and to ensure biocontainment. We are all trying in our own ways to mitigate the plastics problem. Whether it is researching scientific discoveries, limiting our use of plastics, or raising awareness. I am Ben Lear. I am a filmmaker and musician. Ben found his own way to create change. He wrote a folk opera entitled Lillian about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, a large area of floating debris in the northern Pacific Ocean. Ben talks with us about what led him to write the musical. When I was in college around 2009, I remember my mom sending me an article about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And without seeing it firsthand, it sounded like this kind of mystical island in the middle of nowhere that is just mountains of trash that people had thrown away over the course of their lives and had kind of gathered into this swirling mass of course, it struck me as tragic and predictable, honestly, when I thought about it. But it also inspired me creatively. Everything flows out into the ocean eventually including the plastic waste that we throw away and don't think twice about. Just because something's out of sight and out of mind doesn't mean it stops existing. Instead, it's carried by the tides deeper into the ocean, collecting in these gyres that are swirling plastic, breaking it down into smaller and smaller pieces that are digestible by fish and other marine life. And just because things can be broken down into smaller and smaller pieces doesn't mean they ever go away. Eventually, they become so small we can hardly even see them. But they're still big enough to harm the natural world. And so we've gotten ourselves into a hell of a conundrum. 
I was motivated to write my folk opera Lillian after learning about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. I came up with this idea about a guy who decides that everything he's ever lost in his life is out in the garbage patch and he has to go on a scuba diving adventure to get it. It's fun, it's whimsical, but it also happens to speak to the problem of plastic pollution. Ben says the purpose of the musical is to raise awareness and educate the next generation about the need to do better by reducing our dependence on single-use plastic. Everyone who has come across Lillian, the album, which is on Spotify for anyone who's interested, has discovered through the music the issue of plastic pollution. A lot of these people had never heard of it before. And I think it created the same reaction that it created in me at first, which was outrage and sadness. I've heard from countless people who've listened to the music and became motivated to tell others about this issue and try to curb their own use of single-use plastics. Two years after the album came out, a teacher at a small school in northern Vermont reached out to me and asked if he could put the show on as his high school's musical. And I sent him the music. He ended up teaching it to the entire band and the orchestra at the school. And then they partnered with the science program. And that entire semester, the kids in science class learned about plastic pollution. And the kids in the music program prepared the musical. And at the end of the year, there was this great, huge concert where they performed the album and also created these incredible plastic sculptures out of used, recycled plastic bottles. And it was just a beautiful case study for using art to educate and raise awareness in schools. While scientists like Dr. Moon and innovative companies like Virant and Danimer are working on technologies with the potential to shrink the mountains and floating islands of plastic trash, Ben says it's ultimately up to all of us to make better choices. I think while scientists are out there working on solutions, the choices that we make as individuals are crucial as well. I think the choices that we make as individuals are almost just as important. If each of us takes one small action towards reducing plastic waste, imagine the outcome on a larger scale. I want to thank Dr. Moon, Andrew, Scott, and Ben for talking about solutions to this massive problem, from tiny microbes to bioplastics to raising awareness through art. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and or review this podcast and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at I Am Biotech. And subscribe to Good Day Bio at bio.org slash goodday. This episode was developed by executive producer Teresa Brady and producers Lynn Finnerty and Rob Gutnikoff. It featured music by Ben Lear and was engineered and mixed by Jay Goodman with theme music created by Luke Smith and Sam Brady.